it wasn't really until the last few years that I've created time boundaries around like, where is my energy going at all times? And also, how am I receiving that energy back? And am I doing things in my business that seem to be nourishing me in some way versus being the output driven kind of way? Hi, welcome to the Connect with Sheila Batello podcast. I'm an entrepreneur, self-care strategist, and creator of the Season Self-Care app. I'm committed to helping you reconnect to your purpose, elevate your well-being, and build your version of a happy, successful life. Today, we're having a conversation with someone who I've gotten to know a bit in a community that I've been involved in over the past several years. Laura Brandenburg is an internationally recognized leader known for helping mid-career professionals start and succeed in business analyst careers. She's the founder of Bridging the Gap, the best-selling author of How to Start a Business Analyst Career, and the creator of the Business Analyst Blueprint Certification Program, as well as the Applied Certification of Business Analysts. Laura brings nearly 20 years of experience in the business analysis profession, filling several different full-time business analyst positions, as well as contributing as a consultant, hiring manager, trainer, and career coach. She believes that we build our profession one business analyst at a time, and her life purpose is to help others achieve more confidence and live their best life. Laura, I am so thrilled you're here. And I got to say, I love the specificity of the work that you do and you just own it. And I, I agree with you. We need that structure. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me here. And that bio felt, it was a lot. So thank you for being through all of it. Yes. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I love for people to really know the breadth of the work that people bring mm-hmm. here because it's so often we just are out living our lives and we can sometimes kind of forget all the cool stuff we've done. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's nice to hear it back. And if I can do that in an intro, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much. (laughs) So I'd love for you to share a little bit about what led you into this line of work. And I want to begin with when you were young, like little Laura, were you the person who was able to find solutions, who had the analytical mind to be able to really bring structure to a scenario? Like, did you have that from a young age or was that cultivated through education or environment? No, that anyone has ever asked me that question and it's just fascinating to think about. Um, I know when I was young, which is where I thought you were going to go with this question, like I wanted to be a teacher and I love to be a writer and those are all skills that I'm using today in training. Right. But did I just find solutions? I want to say I probably saw the problems and I see this in my 11 year old daughter today. Like she will be like, why is the bus schedule? And why don't they do things at school this way? And I'm like, oh my goodness, you are so going to follow in your mother's footsteps in this career path potentially. Um, So I I have to guess that like I had that same ability, but I don't know that I could bring forward right here. Right. That's really interesting. Really interesting question. I think I know you'll be thinking about tonight when you're drifting off to sleep. (laughs) You get all these pictures and I want to know, you got to send me a message. (laughs) Fox to me. I want to know. And so, okay. So what would you say was the key thing that did get you into this line of work? Like, was it something that kind of emerged through 
witnessing other people in their careers or was it something that you kind of, you know, you were in school and you just kind of moved in a pathway? Yeah, I had no idea this even existed when I was in school. So I got my undergrad degree in philosophy and English at a liberal arts college. So I came out prepared to do nothing professionally. (laughs) And I landed this job at a publishing company as an assistant editor, which was like, as a title and a role felt like, how could you ask for something better, right? In your early 20s. Oh, but yeah. The rea- <laughs> like, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm working in a publishing company. But like the reality was it was like glorified data entry. I was not even copy editing. I was maybe inputting the changes that somebody, things were done so differently, right? Before digital, right? Somebody handwritten copy editing changes and I would go in and put those into documents and things like that. And a lot of admin type work. And I was just really frustrated and bored and felt like I didn't, have a lot of potential to do something more interesting. And in my company, there was the book publishing side and the the online content publishing side where they would create these online content products. And all I just knew is like that tech world seems so much more interesting. And so I just kept asking to be assigned to a tech project. And finally, I, I got to do one. And in that project kept volunteering to do whatever they needed adding one to do and ended up doing a bit of testing on the data. And essentially a role got created for somebody to do that. And they're like, Laura, like this, we need somebody to do this. You're doing it so well. Will you come into the tech team and do that? And that was really my break out of boredom and into a tech role. It was still not business analysis. Um, and there I started cultivating processes and building relationships with stakeholders. And, and somebody suggested that I apply for this role. And at the time I was like, you know, our team is way too busy. I just like, I couldn't really leave my team. She's like, well, this is going to be a lot more money and a lot more opportunity. And I, I mean, when I landed in that role, it just felt like the fit for everything that I had been doing for so long. So probably to your point, I had been doing these things for a long time, but even my philosophy degree of like thinking logically about how to break down an argument. It was like, that's what I felt like I was doing when I was working on documentation for, for technology projects. So it really, um, it really felt like I had found a home for where, where I belong career-wise. Laura, it's so interesting because over the years, I look back to when I was, I was applying to go to university to be a music teacher. I auditioned into several universities, got accepted, never ended up going to university. I went to Europe instead. I'm one of those mm-hmm. and then started a business and all that. But what I remember hearing was, oh, philosophy, what are you going to do with that? And you know, you said it right here. We need people to be able to think deeply and both with their logical brain and also with their creative brain to really find solutions. Like without without philosophy and without like these ideologies and being able to deconstruct things like arguments and conversations and directions we should go, how do we not go spinning in circles? And I look at some organizations and, you know, the leadership is missing that critical thinking. And it's something as a parent, I mean, I feel like it's like number one thing almost, you know, empathy and love, number one. Number two, critical thinking skills, especially in this current age we are in where information is just coming at us at an astronomical pace. So I think it's amazing. And it was totally ordained for you to be doing the work you're doing. Yeah, it was was definitely the first time everything felt like it clicked and like the money made sense. 
but the work made sense and I just enjoyed it so much. And it just, it really, it made a huge difference in really all areas of my life, mm-hmm. which is really part of the reason, not, not part of, it's the driving factor of why today now I'm helping people get into this role, right? Because it had, it was that meaningful to me. It really changed everything. I think that's yeah. so great. And, you know, before we hit record, you were talking about just like that delineation point between who you are as a person and then who you are in your career and finding that, you know, the, the marriage of the two, but also being able to have the separation of the two. And so I'm so curious to know, because of course this whole show is about like going for the things that you want, the life of more, et cetera, doing it without burning out. And often I think burning out can be a thing because our work can so much just consume us, whether it's mm-hmm. our work, like, you know, in, in our career or our work in our passion project, even like our business babies can take over and kind of, you know, be everything. So how have you found ways and what are some of your top ways to be able to, to really reclaim who you are outside of your business persona? Yeah, I have a really, I, that has been something I have struggled with all along. I don't think I had that figured out in my early days as a business analyst, for sure. I mean, I was just so excited to have this, like, I was very self-identified as a student and very self-identified in work, right? And it wasn't really until the last few years that I've cultivated that separation of identity and created some boundaries around, really time boundaries around how much I put into my business, Um, but not with like the, gosh, if I'm still checking emails a little bit late at night or on social, you know, everything is wrong. Just with like, where is my energy going at all times? And also how am I receiving that energy back? And am I doing things in my business that seem to be like regenerative and, and cultivated? Like, are they nourishing me in some way, uh, versus just, being the output driven kind of way. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love the word regenerative because that's really, when I think about self-care, that's the essence of what it is. It can look different to everyone in terms of what the practice is or, you know, whatever it might be like having a connection point with a girlfriend, like every week or um, time alone in nature or whatever, like self-care it takes on many forms, but the ultimate underpinning of it is that it is to rejuvenate you and regenerate you. So you can actually go out and create the impact that you were born for because you're filled up again, instead of just being in a perpetual state of constant output, which is, you know, like our world wants us to live as robots, right? So it's great (laughs) that you've been able to figure that out for yourself. And now as you are guiding other people through transitions, Mm-hmm. you have this beautiful knowledge and lived experience to be able to share with them so they can embody their own version of what that looks like. So talk to me a little bit about your, like the structure, the framework, the maybe the even the energy behind what you do in helping people during times of career transition. What does that look like? Yeah. So one of the things about being a business analyst is it's a very ambiguous role. So it looks different at different companies. And I'm sure that's like true for a lot of people, right? You have this, you have your basic job description, but there's other things maybe people ask you to do where you're really good at a lot of things. And so a lot of business analysts start to either 
get really fragmented in their roles or stretch too thin. And so, or if they're looking to people looking to get into the profession, right, transition in, there's a lot of opportunities to do business analysis, even if you're not in the, the role. So part of the coaching I do with people is often just looking at an inventory of what does their work look like? So what are the key activities are you doing? And what are the key activities you want to be doing? And then what are the key activities that bore you? And this is really the transition I went in from editorial to QA, right? Is making that shift towards things that were more interesting. And so advising more, like sometimes, yes, big transitions happen, like like, like you can snap your fingers, but more often, at least to get into, to grow within the business analysis profession, we see them happen really incrementally and gradually. And so you can be really intentional about that by taking on the things that interest you and letting go of or delegating or somehow simplifying and removing the things that are less interesting and really refining your role over time. You know, that yeah. sounds an awful lot like my self-care strategy practice mm. where you're, it's this whole idea of what we call in integrative nutrition, crowding out. So mm you're instead of like getting rid of or cutting off certain things you're doing behaviors. And I think particularly like with food, let's say like just cutting out all the bad stuff and then, okay, now eat the good stuff, just eating more of the good stuff. And so naturally the bad stuff falls away. Same thing can be true in your career where you're just doing more of the things that light you up and feel aligned. So there's less space for those things that don't, would you say that's kind of a fair comparison? It's a fair comparison. Although often the resistance I see people face is but there's like, I don't have time to do something new, right? Yeah. <laughs> because I have, so sometimes that letting go piece has to happen first, yeah. or at least the knowledge of what you could let go of mm-hmm. uh, so that you, you know, that there, you, it's not just about doing more and more and more and burning yourself out. It's about right. uh, a, like a, a switch. Yes. Yeah. That off. makes a lot of sense. And I feel like it's so, I love the word incremental. Mm. This makes me take a deep breath because so often we fear making big changes or saying transition is like, it kind of like we hear the brake squeal because that can be jarring to our nervous systems. And instead, when you think of incremental, it's like, it's just one little step, one little tweak, one little. And if you have, like you say, you have this idea of, okay, here's at least the idea and awareness of what I can let go of, Mm -hmm. you move towards it instead of, okay, end date. You know, there are those times, like, do you, how often do you find when you're working with people in this transition where they actually find themselves saying, you know what, this part of my job's dead to me. I'm cutting it off. Like, does that happen? Cause there's people, I know people very intimately in my life who it's like, once they've checked out, forget it. They don't want to show up anymore for that piece of whatever they're doing. How often I will happen? say most people in our programs that that have been more through a layoff situation, right? Where, where that decision has been made for them. And so then they're getting really intentional about, well, what does this next role in my career look like? Yeah. Um, I have not seen maybe, I mean, analysts also are overthinkers <laughs> and very cautious, right? So <laughs> the idea of just, I, I mean, I left my corporate job kind of on a dime without a plan, but I think that is not advice that often really lands with people um, to to be like, oh yeah, just, you know, jump off into the deep end and trust that your savings will cover you until you can figure things out. Oh my goodness. I love that you said, no, they tend to be overthinkers, right? No, that's why we love them. They think of all of the things. 
Yeah. <laughs> you think of all of the things that maybe we haven't thought of. Oh my goodness. Although I know I can be an overthinker in, mm. in, in some ways. And I do believe, I realize it's like, you know, little me protecting older me or mm. whatever the case, like, you know, you, you do that inner work and, um, and always what, what helps me take a step is to just really, it's like that decision. Like you say, what, what do I want more of? What do I want less of? And then what's the next step? Just one. Mm-hmm. And let me take that step. And yeah. in moving and in move, even talking about the step, like, I think this is the thing I'm going to do this one step. It like gets your body and your kind of inner system into, um, some form of action mm-hmm. and it, it moves you through some resistance at times, depending on yeah. how big the step is. So I would, but love- it could be so small. Like a lot yeah. of times what comes up is, Oh, you know, I'm attending five meetings a week that I don't actually really need to be on. Right. Because people have somebody say, well, it's really normal to invite 20 or 30 people to the meetings, but really I just need five. And so most people are on there just multitasking anyways. It's like why, why burn out your energy trying to stay half engaged if you can just decline. And if you really need the notes, like read the meeting notes after or get a summary from someone. So like often it's that kind of small stuff that frees up more time and energy than you would expect that you can then repurpose towards work that's more meaningful. Absolutely. And I love how you say time and energy, because I almost feel like more than the time it is the energy because Mm -hmm. all the open tabs in our brain are already sitting there waiting. Then we're in a meeting and we're listening to things that really don't involve us. And it's nice to have a high view, but Hey, give me bullet points. That's all I need. Unless Mm -hmm. it's an action item for me, like whatever the case. So I can see how the energy piece, like that's the thing we need to protect so that Mm -hmm. if we protect that, we actually get more time to not just work more, but to maybe kick up our feet and take a little chill out so that we're more productive and efficient Mm -hmm. in our actual role. This is so good. I'm so grateful that you got to share this. And I, I'm curious to know a couple things, like what I'd love to end on is what's next for you in your career? What are some things that you are sharing with the world? How are you serving people that we can let people know about? Yeah. So I, it's so interesting. I have been in a two-year lull from a creative perspective and just this year sort of came out of that lull. And so I am in like, social media, creative, sharing content mode, but also feel like I mentioned how BA is sort of a, you know, uh, an ambiguous role. And I'm really trying to explore the peripheries. So I've realized I've been in this container of, oh yeah, I'm like with all my people who understand what a business analyst is. And like, how do I get outside that box and start to talk to people in those related roles or people using the skills doing other things? So that's really um, what I've been up to. And I'm uh, really excited about lately is making connections and just having conversations like this one and getting to talk about business analysis, to be honest. Oh, yeah. that's great. And actually on that note, because you've been in the container and it's just so like normal to you, to you just like, oh, people understand what this is. Give me maybe one or two concrete examples of, okay, what are KPIs, um, things that people have experienced or things that they've taken over the finish line as a business analyst? Like, what does it look like in real life? Yeah. So in a corporate setting, you would often see a business analyst being part of a software project of some sort. 
And so they would be working with the business to understand if it's an end user facing product, like what does the product manager want it to do? If it's an internal product, what is the business process that that product or solution is a part of and really understanding the process level and then either fixing or replacing or making some sort of change to that system and not actually like developing it. That would be a software developer, but figuring out what that change needs to look like. Um, so that could be your Salesforce system or your CRM system as a business owner or your appointment management system, right? So any sort of system that supports your business in any way is where you would see them coming up. And I just love feeling supported in that role myself because mm. if if it can be automated and I don't have to figure out how to do it, well, thank you very much. <laughs> it gives me more time to do this. Yeah. This is what yeah. I love. But I know like I have a number of friends who are analysts and who are like, okay, how are you doing this? Wait, is there an easier way? Is there something you're doing that you don't really want to be doing anymore? Actually, there's an automation for that. Here, let me set that up for you. I'm like, thank you. Because of course yeah. we don't think in this way. If that if we're not wired that way, we're like, oh no, I have to do stuff A, B, C, D, da, da. And they are able to remove so many steps from the process to free up the energy and the time. So I think it's mm -hmm. so great. And it sounds to me like regardless of AI taking over the world, like we need humans who are able to critically think about what does this actually look like in practice and also the ethics of it too. Like having that mm -hmm. ethical standard of how do we really formulate everything in a way that is serving the client and the business and not just one or the other. And so not just corporate, you know? So, um, so it's a really, it is like a very uh, important role and it's one that is very thoughtful. Hence being able to be in your head, like it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So great. And so I would love to know now on a self-care note, what self-care is lighting you up the most right now? Mm. That's really reconnecting you to you. Yeah, I, um, you know, there's the essentials, right? Like sleep and food and all that. But I think the, the, the piece that really serves me is my morning journaling practice and allowing that to be very free form and about my wins, about processing maybe anything that happened the day before and reframing it and using tools to like work through belief systems and, and just allowing whatever needs to come out on the page to come out on the page before I sit down to really start my day. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. yeah I got to say, I, I, I love that. The journaling practice is probably one of my oldest self-care rituals mm -hmm. yeah. before I even knew what self-care was. And when I don't do it, I mean, it's fine. I'm not a perfectionist about it. I'm sure you're not either, mm -hmm. but like, it's just it's something feels a little different when I haven't had at least that time to just be with myself. And mm -hmm. I don't know, something about writing it, like actually physically writing it yeah. on a piece of paper, it feels good. It's very old school, very OG. My but goodness, hey. the number of printed hand paper journals I have is just insane. <laughs> Same, they're all sitting behind me up there. Like, <laughs> so many. <laughs> it's like, oh, younger me looking back at them if I ever go, oh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the same things written over and over. That's one thing. Yeah. And then it's like, wow, I spent a lot of years focused on that. <laughs> yeah. so it can be fun. We can laugh at our younger selves because yeah. we didn't know what we didn't know. And we can actually just be, oh, little Sheila, it's okay. You know, you're here now. It's all good. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I just love that we were able to connect here. I look forward to connecting again, you know, offline, um, as well as potentially hearing other things you're doing in the future, perhaps having you back on the show. Cause I just love to have follow-up conversations as well. Like, Hey, how have the last year or two been for you? 
Um, and so I really appreciate you just making the time in your busy schedule. This has felt like self-care for me, just having this conversation mm. with you. Thank you. Me too. Me too. A lot of good self-awareness. You have some really good questions. So thank you so much for that. Mm. <laughs> Well, everyone who's listening, I just want to say I'm really appreciative that you listen to these episodes. And I hope that this episode got you thinking about some ways that you can start to restructure the way you're doing your work in your life that fills you up, that gives you expansive energy, and that really connects you to what you're meant to be doing. That was, I think, the underlying theme here was really tuning into who you are at your core so that you can do the work and live the life that you were meant for. So thank you for listening and make sure that you tag us on social to let us know what landed for you. We would love to know. DM us and all of the links to how to reach Laura are going to be in the show notes. So go check those out. Appreciate you. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Big blessings.